Today, we are looking at one of the most famous unsolved cases of all time. We are delving deep into a man that terrorized London in the late 1800s. He was called Jack the Ripper. You're listening to Mysteries on Earth. I'm your host, Holly Fortino. Join me as I delve deep into the greatest unsolved mysteries this Earth has ever seen. From fact to theory, secrets of the past and present will be uncovered. Let the investigation begin. It was the end of summer and beginning of fall on the east end of London when a killing spree erupted. Specifically in a lower class village called Whitechapel, which was known for violence and crime. This was an impoverished area where many turned to crime as a means to get by. Men turned to gangs and women often turned to prostitution. All of the given victims were known to be prostitutes. It all started on August 31st, 1888, around 3.40 in the morning. The body of Mary Ann Nichols was found laying on her back. Her throat was deeply slashed and her body was disemboweled, meaning that she was cut open and her internal organs were removed. Investigators revealed she was dead for about a half hour before being found. About a week later, on September 8th, another body was discovered. She was a young woman named Annie Chapman. Similarly to the previous victim, her throat was slashed, but this time, the killer had removed Annie's womb. Come September 27th, the Central News Agency receives a suspicious letter. The letter taunted the police for not being able to find the killer. The letter also contained details of the murders as well as his enjoyment of killing. The letter closed, yours truly, Jack the Ripper. Now doesn't that sound familiar? I suppose the Zodiac and Black Dahlia killers took notes from Jack the Ripper. After this letter was released, the public could now put a name to the killer on the loose. Just three days after receiving the letter, the killer strikes again. Elizabeth Stride's body was found around 1 o'clock in the morning by a man named Louis Deemschutz. Investigators believe that the killer was interrupted when Louis found Elizabeth because only her throat was cut. The following victim was found only 45 minutes later on the same night and not far from Stride's body. This victim's name was Catherine Eddowes. Catherine's entire body was mutilated, including her face. Both her uterus and left kidney were removed from her body. Police also found their first solid clue that night. Pieces of Catherine's apron were found in the direction of Stride's body meaning that the killer walked back towards Stride's body after killing Catherine through a frenzy of police. Talk about hiding in plain sight. This also suggests that the killer lives in the area. Why would he go back in that direction? Near the apron, there was also a message written in chalk suggesting the killer is an anti-Semitist. The day after the double murder, the press receives another taunting letter from the killer. The letter had to have been from the killer himself considering the detail of the murder. Also, a reminder that this all happened in 1888. There wasn't press coverage like today. 
The story wasn't even printed in the newspaper yet, and on top of that, not everyone could read. By October 13th, police are desperate to find this grisly killer. They decide to spend a week searching every home in Whitechapel. At the end of their search, they found absolutely nothing. Almost a month later, on November 9th, the final and most grotesque confirmed victim was found. Mary Kelly's mutilated body was found in her bed by her landlord seeking rent money. Her body was disemboweled and she was skinned down. Now what is tough about this case is that there's a wide range of suspects who fit the killer's profile very well. Possibly another reason why Jack the Ripper's identity was never revealed. There were a handful of eyewitnesses who believed they spotted Jack the Ripper. All of them concluded that he was between 25 and 35 years old. He had a stature around 5 foot 6. He was stocky with a fair complexion and a mustache. He was a very generic man who had no problem fitting into society. One fact that the police could conjure up was that the Ripper was most likely a doctor of some sort, considering how clean he disemboweled and removed internal parts from the victims. One of the main suspects on police radar was a man named Montague John Druitt. First off, he fit the physical description of the killer. He also had an uncle and a cousin who were doctors. Perhaps that's where he could have gained anatomical knowledge. He apparently lived with his cousin a few miles from Whitechapel. Months before the murder, Druitt wrote in a diary that he was insane, particularly sexually insane. Plus, the killing stopped just a few weeks before he died. So, was Druitt really Jack the Ripper? No, he wasn't. His body was found in a river after committing suicide. He was believed to be at the bottom of the river for several weeks around the time of the final victim's murder. There is one theory that I found very interesting. It was called the Royal Conspiracy. It was the idea that Prince Albert Victor Christian Edward was the killer. He was known to visit brothels in the area, and in fact contracted syphilis from it. It was known that the syphilis drove him to insanity. He also ended up impregnating a local woman, which is the root of this theory. It is said that Queen Victoria had everyone who knew of the child, quote, taken care of. He was never discovered because royal aides assisted in covering up the crimes. An interesting theory, but definitely far-fetched. On a more realistic note, a man named Joseph Barnett was either an unlucky love-struck suspect, or he was Jack the Ripper. Barnett was the roommate of the final victim, Mary Kelly. He was apparently madly in love with Mary and called her his wife in a telegram, although they were just roommates. Barnett worked as a fish porter, meaning he was experienced in gutting and skinning fish. He was heavily against Mary's life as a prostitute and strived to make money to keep her off the streets. It worked for a period of time until Barnett lost his job and Mary had to return to prostitution. Some theorize Barnett committed the first four murders to scare Kelly off the streets. One night, Mary brought two other prostitutes home and caused a major fight between her and Barnett. The fight grew violent, ending up in a broken window or two, as well as Barnett moving out of the apartment. Just 10 days after that fight, Mary was found dead sleeping in her bed. Note that the killer was uninvited because she was asleep. 
What makes Barnett extra suspicious is the fact that he knew how to get into the apartment. Perhaps he still had a key. It was also known that Barnett's friends called him Jack, and the murders stopped after his lover died. There are a handful more suspects who fit the profile just right. Which man was it? Was it more than one man? Could it have been a woman throwing the police in the wrong direction? There is no definitive answer to any of these questions. There were five confirmed victims of the Ripper, but some folks believe there were up to 11. Jack the Ripper brought fear and terror to the East London area, where he baffled police time and again. Even over 100 years later, the case is still studied today by experts around the world. The identity of the infamous Jack the Ripper remains a mystery on Earth. Today's episode was written, produced, and edited by yours truly, Holly Fortino. I would like to give credit to History.com, TheHistoryPress.co.uk, StrawberryTours.com, Casebook.org, and of course, the boys at BuzzFeed Unsolved Network for their great information on Jack the Ripper. If you would like to hear a certain mystery, or even have one of your own, send an email to MysteriesOnEarth13 at gmail.com. Join me next week as I take on the greatest modern mystery, the disappearance of Malaysian Airline Flight 370. Don't miss out on the investigation. <laughs>